Father, thank you for loving us enough to send us your son to die on the cross for our sins, to provide through his sacrifice a way for us to be redeemed from the slave market of sin, to be made a new spiritual creature, and have the opportunity to work and walk with you as you accomplish your will throughout the course of time and in our lives. May we be surrendered to your will for our life. May we focus and submit our desires to you. As we study this new series on strongholds, give us your wisdom, give us your strength and understanding to go through this study and understand how it directly applies to our circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4, and we are very much excited for this series, and by we, I mean all of us. You just don't know it yet. I appreciate your support. All right, this, this series, uh, it will build off of some things we learned from camp, but it wasn't designed for that. As I was putting some things together today and looking at where it's going to go, I recognized that some of the things we learned at camp are going to tie directly into this, and it was kind of a nice thing to see. So we had planned this before we went to camp. We planned this before the lessons for camp, but some of the things that those of you who went to camp learned will help you here. If you didn't go to camp, you will not be hindered, all right? I will teach, at least communicate, all right? So, Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 4. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That word fortresses is where we got the title for this series, Strongholds. A stronghold is a building that has been established and fortified to be a surety during time of trouble or warfare. It is a place where people can run to, get behind the walls, get within the structure, and be protected by whatever is coming against that building or that stronghold from outside. We have strongholds. Every single one of you has a stronghold at least. We have places we run to when times get tough. We have uh, things that we do to cope with different circumstances and situations. We deal with them differently, but we all basically have a similar principle in how we deal with things. And we will learn through this series that the Bible and God's word, as we walk in our relationship with him, will tear down those strongholds and build a better stronghold that is fortified by God himself and not by the things in this world. And that's where we're going. That's why I'm excited for it. That's why you're excited for it. And you just don't know it yet. It's an exciting thing. For though we walk in the flesh, starts off in our verse in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it says, although we walk in the course of our life, the word walk there is peripateo. It means to go along your course of your life. As we live in this world and walk in this world and progress through our physical life in these bodies with our personality, We recognize that while we do that in our flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. There's two things we want to distinguish here. One, the location in which we walk in our life in this world is the flesh. Now, we've used that term flesh to refer to the body and the soul functioning together. And we've looked at many passages of scripture that say do not walk according to the flesh or by means of the flesh. We have no choice but to walk in this body with the personality we've got. If we don't do that, we're dead. Okay? In this world, we walk in the flesh. 
There's a difference between walking in the flesh and walking by means of the flesh or walking under the leadership of the flesh. Until we die or until Christ returns to take those who have believed in him home, we will be in this body. We will have a sin nature that wants to lead us. But just because we're in this body doesn't mean we have to be led by the sin nature. If we accepted Christ our Savior, we've been set free from sin. We've been set free by the payment that Christ paid, which paid the ransom for our freedom from the flesh. So while we do have to walk in these bodies, we have to walk physically on earth, we don't have to walk under the suggestion and leadership of our sin nature, which is in our flesh. There's a difference between how we walk and that we walk. We exist as physical human beings. In Christ, we are spiritually alive and able to function. When we walk in this body spiritually, we're not walking according to the flesh, we're walking according to the spirit. We walk in this body with the lust pattern we have leading us, then we're walking not just in the flesh, but according to the flesh. And Paul in 2 Corinthians is writing to the believers in Corinth and he says, we do not walk in this life in the location, or although we walk in this life in the location of the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And his word war here means to soldier. It's not really a term we would use in normal day speech. Usually a soldier is what we use to refer to a person who has willingly said he will die for our, his country, who will fight on the battlefield, who will train, he will push himself physically and mentally to the end and then beyond so that freedom in this nation can be upheld as the American soldier. The act of soldiering is carrying out all of those things. We had a, a young man graduate last year and go off to the army. And right now, he is training. He went through boot camp, went through advanced training, and he is training. He's where he's stationed. He's getting ready to go somewhere at some point. We don't know when or where. He is soldiering. And if the time comes for him to get called and sent to the battlefield, he will continue soldiering with what he's learned. And soldiering is the act of being a soldier. It's not just putting on the uniform and having the rank or the serial number. It's actually doing the work of a soldier. The Bible says that while we walk in the flesh, we don't soldier according to the flesh. We soldier according to the Spirit is the implication. We don't soldier by the flesh. The flesh isn't our commanding officer. It isn't the thing that we fight through and with. Two years ago. Yeah. We walk in the flesh. We have to exist in this body, but we don't have to fight the way the flesh suggests to fight. We don't have to enter the battlefield by the flesh's leadership. We don't have to obey the leadership of the flesh. We don't have to follow its strategies. And the Bible for Christians is telling us that we are not to war according to the flesh. Because Paul is giving them the reality of who they are as spiritual members of God's army. And as God's soldiers, God's soldiers are not fighting by the flesh, they're fighting by the spirit. With God as their commanding officer. It says that though we walk in the location of the flesh, and 
I put the X up there to tell you and tell me that the word the is not the original language, which focuses on the reality that we are in a body and that which comprises our body and what's within us. It emphasizes the physical nature of a human. Although we walk in this life in the physical nature of a human, we do not wage war, we do not soldier according to that physical nature. It says, for or because the weapons... This word is the word hopla, and it means implements. In context, weapons is a great translation of what it means. It says that the implements that we use, the implements of our warfare, are not of the flesh. They don't come from the flesh. Where do they come from? Well, you got two options spirit or flesh, and so these implements that we as God's soldiers use when we're waging war the right way are spiritual implements, spiritual weapons. The word warfare means military campaign. A military campaign is the strategy, the function, the placement of troops against an enemy actively. If we enter war, we will have campaigns where we fight as a nation in certain regions with certain tactics and certain strategies. We'll have a supply route. We'll have an overwhelmingly attacking force to subdue our enemy with. It's one of the benefits of being an American. does not mean victory is guaranteed, and it does not mean it will ever come cheap. Because it's the life of individuals who are willing to die on our behalf for their freedoms in this nation that secures our freedom and our liberty. The weapons for the believer in Christ are implements that are spiritual in nature. They're implements that are not physical or fleshly in nature. It reminds you that Ephesians 6 says that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the powers. We fight a spiritual battle. So while it looks like we have to deal with humans, interact with humans, the reality is we're dealing with a thought process war. A war that is either human-based and human viewpoint, human thought process from this world, or divine thought process. So the Bible says not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith, dependent upon what God says. When we walk by sight, we're following this world. When we walk by faith, we're dependent upon what God says to do the work in us. God's word is one of the implements by which we fight. Remember Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, and after he was in the wilderness for 40 days, he hadn't eaten, he came back, and Satan was tempting him, and he said, hey, you're hungry. See the stones, turn them into bread and eat. What did Jesus reply with? Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. And his word there for word was rhema, and it means the specific word and characteristics of it. It's one of the reasons we look at the individual words that we put into the bold on our page because there's characteristics of that word, like gender and case and mood and voice that help us get a detailed view of what's going on. We walk in this world as a matter of principle. It's a participle in Koine Greek. It means for though walking in the, f- in the flesh, walking in the physical body that we have, we do not war that way. We, don't not, we do not war by the flesh. This is the principle. It means that every time that we war or soldier 
by the Spirit, we will be victorious. Every time we war by the flesh, we will not be. But the believer, if he's walking properly and fighting properly, is not walking by means of the flesh, even though he is in the flesh. He's walking by means of the Spirit in his physical body. We wage war and we soldier according to not weapons of the flesh or implements of the flesh, things that are worldly or human. But rather it says we war by the divinely powerful weapons. It says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. The military campaign that we undergo with its strategies and its tactics and its battles and its conflict and its overall plan that is dependent upon little battles and skirmishes along the way to be victorious, that is not of the flesh, but it says of the divinely powerful things. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. Something that's far better than what we can see and interact with in this world is God's power. The literal phrase for divinely powerful is inherently capable the God. And they translate it as divinely powerful because inherently capable is describing the God. And it's the power of God that's being referred to here. Inherently capable. The inherent power of God is the implement by which we fight and wage war in this world. Because we wage war spiritually while we walk in the flesh, but not according to the flesh. Divinely powerful identifies that the power of God, His omnipotence, His complete and total power, is the source of our weapons and our armament in the military campaign we fight spiritually. It's His power, His resources, His campaign, His strategy, His tactics. Divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, the word destruction here means the dismantling piece by piece of fortresses. It's a tearing down. It's deconstructing what's been built up. So the picture we have in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 is of a fortress which is not God's, but of this world. We have different things that we run to, that we hide behind, that we try to protect ourselves with. Sometimes a bad day, all you want to do is just go to sleep and ignore what's going on. Other times, you want to just go out and maybe go for a run or something to get away from it all. Those are fortresses of sorts. And this world says, hey, those are positive things to do. But are they divinely proper things to do? Are they the spiritual response to those circumstances? Or is it a way for us to cope, to avoid, to distract ourselves from those circumstances we don't like? Things happen outside of our control, and we oftentimes will run to a place for safety and protection. What fortress are you running to? Because the word of God, the power of God, is able to dismantle piece by piece any fortress that is not his. 
We have the choice as believers of God to run into his fortress. We are members of his kingdom. Those in the kingdom, when the, bat, the, when the enemy is approaching, go into the castle walls, the drawbridge is raised up, the army surrounds the top order of the castle, and what happens? The civilians inside that belong to that nation are protected by the soldiers, the walls of that kingdom. The gates of hell, Jesus said, will not prevail against his church. No matter what Satan and company do, no matter what dead people come up from the heart or the abode of the dead in the heart of the earth, no matter what happens in this world, nothing will prevail against the church of God. The church of God is divinely protected by his power and his fortress. That's a reality if we're saved. But in our experience, as we walk in this life, are we going to God's kingdom and fortress to deal with the enemy coming at us, to hold fast the territory we've gained spiritually, or do we run from the enemy, run from the circumstance, and cope with it some other way? The weapons of our military campaign, if we're operating spiritually in the flesh, in this physical body, are able to destroy fortresses piece by piece to tear them down dismantle them the word fortress as we mentioned earlier is where we get this word stronghold from it identifies a fortified building or structure that is designed to hold fast those inside and the territory of the ground it's on. It's a defensive tool from which you can launch counterattacks. It's a safety in which you can hide and be protected. It is the thing that stands in the way of the enemy from slaughtering those in the kingdom. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. He is king, and you are a member of his royal family. We in his kingdom, as his children, can run to him. We can run to his fortress to be protected, not from physical things, but from the spiritual things. And as we do that, we can, in this physical body, walk, walking spiritually under his leadership, utilize the implements that he has for fighting this war in the strategy that he knows will win. Nothing's going to surprise him because he's omniscient. Not only does he have a good strategy, he has the strategy that will overwhelm and defeat any other strategy. In the book of Second John, or First John chapter 2, identifies that the teenager spiritually, one who has been spiritually born, has learned who the Father is, has trusted the Father, and then started obeying the Father as he grows from an infant to a spiritual child, who then obeys the Father's protocols and follows his thought process so habitually that it becomes reflexive as he practices and trains in doing just what the Father says and nothing else, goes to this spiritual teenager or young man place. It's in 1 John chapter 2. And in that place, it says that the way that you 
identify that you are a spiritual teen or spiritual young boy is that you overwhelmingly defeat the the battle or overwhelmingly defeat the enemy over every time. So that when the attacks of Satan come come at you, when the temptation is in the trap, you reflexively look for the way of escape and follow the Holy Spirit's leadership. You don't go, okay, this is a trap. I kind of like it. I kind of want it. You see the trap. You go, Father, where's the way of escape out? The Holy Spirit says, there's the door. We walk out the door and we take the way of escape reflexively. Just like the doctor hitting the base of your kneecap, causing your leg to kick forward, sometimes at his own peril. Spiritual maturity is it based on how long in physical human years you've been a Christian. It's not based on how many sermons you've heard or preached. It's based upon how much you depend upon the Word of God in every moment. It's measured by how long it takes you to confess your sin when you realize you're out of fellowship. And when we confess our sin, get back in fellowship, and start walking again according to the Spirit, we are trained in whatever spiritual maturity stage we're in, infant, child, teen, or adult. And 1 John chapter 2 identifies those four stages specifically. If we are going to overwhelmingly defeat the enemy every time, we've got to start trusting the Father as an infant. We've got to start obeying the Father and walking the way He says as the child. So that when those attacks come, we overwhelmingly defeat the enemy, not because we're so strong in our flesh or our self-discipline, but because we're not depending upon ourselves to do the work that God says is His to do. The Bible says we are to let the Holy Spirit put things away from us. We're supposed to be saturated to the point of control by the Spirit. And that's a matter of trusting and obeying while we're in fellowship. And as we do that, His Word and the Holy Spirit dismantle piece by piece every fortress in our life that we've trusted and run to, that we've built up around us to protect us from things we don't like or want. And He builds up in place a fortress that is stronger and is bigger and is based upon His implements for war, based upon His strength, His power, is protected by His righteousness. And as we walk within the walls of that castle, that fortress, we are safe from spiritual warfare around us. It's not that the battle's not going on. It's that as we follow Him in the battle, we are protected by His Word, His Spirit, His righteousness. And we have the confidence of eternal life with Him throughout the process. That even if we were to die in the flesh, in our human physical body, we're still not defeated. First John 5 says that those who have overcome are those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He has saved those who believe. Do you believe? And if you do, are you walking in fellowship with Him? Think about the strongholds you've got in your life. What do you put up to protect yourself? What do you do when you feel anxious? Where do you go when things are stressing you out or you're sad or tired or frustrated? I would encourage you to depend upon the Father to dismantle those things piece by piece. Bible says, be still and wait for the Lord. Those who wait for Him will rise up as eagles. Be still and seek the Lord. Seek ye first His kingdom and all these things will be added to you. 
be still and recognize that he is God. Let's pray. Lord, you have done so much through sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. So much that we oftentimes overlook as we get caught up in walking according to the flesh and not just in this physical body that we've got. Father, thank you for your word and its ability and your power and its ability to tear down the strongholds we depend upon. May we recognize those areas that we're using to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves from things we don't like. And we choose to surrender to your leadership rather than to our own thought process so that we can run to your fortress, allow it to protect us, and see the benefits and the joy as we transcend above everything else going on around us in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.